connected, being connected together. And in fact, let me just say, I just want to reemphasize what Sister Dietrich said about the Connect class. Listen, um, even if you, uh, even I would say, even if you're serving as part of a ministry, uh, but you haven't taken a class like this before, come on up. Uh, Today will be the last class for the Connect class for this series, and then we'll start it up again. Um, But come on up. There'll be some refresh refreshments, and we'll kind of tell you, you know, what we believe here, and then get you connected. Uh, with each other and into a ministry. Amen. Connect. That's what this verse of scripture talks about. I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And EPH 416 says this. says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It says it causes growth for the body. Another version says this, says he keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust and in love. Robust in love. Now, Paul is speaking to us here about how to build the church. This is what he's talking about here, how to build the church. But he's talking out of the context of a city that is very fragmented, the city of Ephesus. This city had a lot of moral problems. There were over a thousand temples of Diana in this city, just one city. But the city was a thriving city. Remember, Ephesus is the first church that Jesus talked to in the book of Revelation through John when he was on the island of Patmos, right? It was the first church that he spoke to. In this epistle, we have more understanding about the church than in any other epistle or any other verse of scripture. I don't know that the Bible has any other book that really talks about the fivefold ministry like the book of Ephesians talks about. So it really hones in on what he wants us to do to build the church. And as I read through this epistle, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, it begs the question, and I, please listen to this very closely. It begs this, this question, and especially as it relates to the church. What is your cause? What is your cause? What is the cause? See, everyone has goals, but what is the cause? Lots of people have a vision, but what is the cause? In this epistle, the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us the cause and the purpose, the eternal purpose of the church. See, it's one thing to have a vision. It's one thing to have a plan and goals. It's one thing to have uh, things in place that you have to follow, rules and boundaries. But to what end? What is the cause? I mean, do we do those things just so we can say that we have rules? That we're like the world? That we have boundaries? That we uh, have a way that we do things? What is the cause? What is the eternal purpose? And, and that is what Ephesians talks about. Paul is trying to teach us this eternal purpose of the church. 
In Ephesians 3.10, it talks about the manifold wisdom of God being made known to the world by the church. See, it's up to us, you and I, to make the many-folded wisdom of God be made known to the world. Because you and I are the church. In other words, what does the kingdom of God look like? Well, people should just look at the church. And then they would know what the kingdom of God looks like. They should be able to look at you. I don't mean the church building. I don't mean our service. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not saying they need to come into service and say, oh, that's the kingdom of God. No, I'm talking about when you're on your job and at the market and you're at school. That's what the kingdom of God should look like through you. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us. And by the way, just a little side note, I want to piggyback on something that Reverend Iverson talked about last week. And, uh, you know, you think, oh, it's some great spiritual deep truth. No, you know what it is? We ought to take notes. Let's take some notes, you know. It helps us to understand and comprehend sometimes. Even if you, a couple weeks later, throw them away. But as you're taking them, it kind of helps us comprehend. So take notes. Take notes. But without an eternal purpose, without a cause, we are nothing more than, what, a social club. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really had my feel of social clubs. You know, I mean, they're okay, but I could really do without another social club. There's a lot of clubs I could be in. But if it's up to me, I'd just rather be watching the game <laughs> or shopping or something else, you know, than another social club. And so that's not what we are. So the Apostle Paul teaches us that the eternal purpose of God was to build a church. And that church was to have the presence of God. That church was to have the glory of Christ in it. That church is to have the message of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And that church is to bring that message to the world. That church is to live that message so the world can see it. That's what Paul is trying to tell us here. And Paul draws a a whole picture in Ephesians of what the church should be like. And this verse, it's really sort of an axle verse in this uh, whole book. It ties the beginning and the end together. It's a pivotal verse and it connects and it summarizes everything that he's trying to say about the church. And what he says here is that when people come together and are joined together and when they understand collectively the cause together, And the cause is not just for you to get up every day and put on your clothes, eat breakfast, go to work, make some money, come home, watch a TV show and go to bed and do it all over again. That's not your cause or to get up and go to school, get a good grade and then graduate and go on and get a job. That's not your whole cause. That's part of the cause. But the cause is to build the body of Christ and to extend the kingdom of God. However I live my life, however I conduct my business, if I'm a policeman or a fireman, if I'm in IT or a singer or I'm an actor or actress, if I'm a janitor, if I work for the city or the state, if I'm an entrepreneur, no matter what I do, however I conduct my business, If I'm a student, no matter what I do, how I conduct 
my business must be the business of the kingdom of God. It must match up to that. Because we have a cause. And what he says here is that when people come together and we understand that cause, then we're fulfilling God's purpose for the church and for us personally. That cause must be inside of me. And so he comes here to Ephesians 4.16 and he says, he keeps us in step with each other. Now, this cause will be greatly hindered if we're not in step with each other. If we're not working together, listen, we're a social club. That's all we are. But we have to be together. Because as the elder, James Carter, always tells me, it's all about him. It's not about us. It's all about him. Want to know what the purpose of the church is? Go to this book. Let's pray together. Come out to prayer. Really, let's pray together and let's hear from God together to fulfill his purpose. And see, the purpose in our heart should not be to say, listen, I know how the church should be and you need to conform to my way. Or maybe you know how the church should be. Let's conform to your way. But let's see what Christ says and let's conform to his way. Because last time I read the Bible, it said we need to have the mind of Christ. And Paul was very specific about us, have the church, having one mind. Was he not? Has anybody read that? He said, we need to have one mind, not different minds. Come on now. I'm speaking to divisions. Not only denominations, I'm talking to non-denominational divisions. We need to have one mind, and that is the mind of Christ. That's where we're going, folks, saints, to the mind of Christ. At his UCLA football team, this coach was talking to his team and they had suffered through a poor season. This was back in the early 1970s. True story. Head coach Pepper Rogers came under intense criticism and pressure. Things got so bad that friends became hard to find. He said, my dog was my only true friend. (laughs) Rogers says that whole year. He says he told his wife that every man needs at least two good friends. So you know what she did? She bought him another dog. <laughs> we talked a couple weeks ago about an issue that I, I believe we're having in America and around the world. And I think it's really a loneliness problem. It really is. And it's because we're not connected together. You know, what Sister Dietrich was talking about earlier this morning is so true. We need to do this thing together. You know, when when those four friends lifted, they took a chance when they uh, lowered that man down there. I mean, they, they tore up somebody's house. Come on. Right? They went out of their way for their friend. How many of us would do that? Would go out of your way? I mean, we might go out of our way a little bit, but really, I'm not going to go up to the house now. Come on. You just pray, you know. No, they went out of their way to make sure that this man got some help. And that's what we need to do, but we have a loneliness problem. We need to overcome, and even in the church. Listen, a little publication called All Things Better, Make All Things Better, uh, in it, a teacher asked some children some really big world-type questions. They were questions like, if you could solve world hunger, what would you do? Or if you could solve the ozone problem. Or if you could uh, clean up the drinking and driving problem, you know, how would you do that? Or 
how would you get water to all the people in the Amazon who need just these questions? If you could, you know, people that smoke and do all, and drink and do all these things, how would you help them? They ask him some really big questions. Some of their answers were quite phenomenal. One of the questions that was asked was, how would you solve the loneliness problem? It was asked of these children. And well, some of the answers went like this. One child said, I would put an ad in the newspaper and ask for everybody that was lonely to send me their address. Then I would put another ad in the newspaper and ask for everyone who wasn't lonely to send me their address. Then I would put back in the newspaper all of these people and match them up and get them together. It's like, what an idea, right? (laughs) Another little boy said, okay, we have lonely people. I know how to solve that. We need to have talking food. When they pick up their sandwich, it would say, how are you today? When they pick up their apple, it would say, how are you feeling? Because everybody eats. Another little girl said, what I would do to solve the loneliness problem is buy somebody a pet or a husband. They're the same thing. (laughs) And And so the children try to solve the problem of loneliness. You know, why do people make bad decisions sometimes? To me, it's simple. They have no real input from people that really care about them. And that's what we need. We need input from people that really care about us. We need to be connected together. You can't do this thing alone. We're going to have to get away from this thing about, I can do it myself. Don't worry about me. I I got it. Don't worry about it. We can't do that. We've got to connect together. I remember I was going through one of the loneliest times in my life right before I moved here to Indiana. And I just remember back at that time, I just went through a real hard time and I, would, I, I was at home and I was uh, living by myself. And my brother came to live with me, but he was always gone. He's nine years younger than me, so he was always doing something, you know. And I'd be at home and I closed all the curtains and, you know, just watched TV and, uh, you know, just stayed by myself. And you know what it did? It made me more depressed. There was no sunlight, nobody coming over, till one day Mike Morgan came over. I said, great, I got a friend. <laughs> but we need people. We need to be connected together. A couple weeks ago, we talked about different people that come to church. We talked about how there's the crowd of people that come to church. You are sort of on the outskirts. Those who visit, they observe, they may come and go at will such as those who go to a sporting event. They enjoy the church, but it's not really their life. Then you have the attender, a little bit closer, those who choose to go to church services on a fairly regular basis. They don't own the vision of the church, but they come. They'll give a little input every now and then. Then you have the congregation, those who made a decision to make church their home church. This is my home church. They take membership. They make a commitment to give and serve, to live life with church. They feel responsible for what happens. And then what I wanted to get to is what we're, we're shooting for is the core, that core. Those who are committed to the vision, the values, and the building of those into other people. These are the people who lead. They serve. They sacrifice. These are those four men who lift, who lowered their friend down to, to see Jesus. This is who I'm talking about. This is 
what we need to be, the core, really help each other. We need to be connected. We need to be a community. The church is a community. Come on, we have our own vernacular. How many times do you see in a business meeting somebody says, I get a witness to that? <laughs> right? We have, the, we have a way that we do things. We have a, you know, we're a community. And there are benefits to this community. Let me give you some benefits to, the, to connecting to this community. One benefit is you'll have meaningful relationships. Not just associates. Not just people, uh, passerby, passersby. But meaningful relationships. And then you'll have genuine care. I mean, people who really care about you. Those, those four men that, that lowered their friend down, they really cared. They weren't doing that to be seen. They weren't doing that for self-interest. They really cared that this guy got healed. Genuine care. And you'll have authentic growth. Real growth. Not just the appearance of growth, but real growth. You know one of the ways you can tell that you're growing? You don't get offended as easy. It's true. You don't get offended as easy. Because there will be things that will offend you, I guarantee it. I'm not speaking negative, I'm not, you know, but I'm just telling you that there will be things and people that will offend you. But you're growing when you don't get offended as easy. You know who you are. There's a lasting purpose. You know, we don't start things and not finish them. We don't say, well, okay, we're going to do this. And three years later, we look back and say, whatever happened to that thing? No, it's a lasting purpose. It's life. It's who I am, not what I do. And then there's, and what we're going to talk a little bit about today is intentional belonging. You have to do it on purpose. You just don't, it's, it's like being a player on a, a sports team. You can't just show up and practice and just come in and fit in and just start running your routes or shooting the basketball and you part of the team. It doesn't work that way. No, there's hard work. There's practice. I, it, no matter how good you are. Listen, uh, the person we know very well, Peyton Manning, uh, when he left Indianapolis and went to Denver, listen, he didn't just show up and all of a sudden start throwing touchdown passes. He had to work all summer with his receivers and his coaches, and then he had to learn a whole new playbook. He's one of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game. But you see, talent doesn't get it. You have to work together. One against 11 is not going to work. I don't care how good you are. So it is in the church. You don't just accidentally fall into lockstep with everybody else. It has to be intentional. There has to be some back and forth. There may and probably will be a little disagreement sometimes. But we have to work together. You can't get offended and say, well, I don't agree with that. You guys don't do the, the things the way I want to do them. Forget it. I'm just leaving. Can't do that. I mean, my wife's on me all the time about, listen, just because it's not the way that you want it done doesn't mean it won't get done or it's not right. <laughs> I'm like that. I have, thing, I have a vision. I have the way I want it done. You know, and it, when it doesn't get done that way, it makes me nervous. <laughs> but listen, it's God's thing. It's not my thing, right? It's not the elders' thing. It's not the leadership's thing. It's not even the congregation's thing. It's God's thing. So we need to do it the way he wants it done. And sometimes that doesn't agree with the way you want it done. Come on now. But if we succumb and do it the way God wants it done, his purpose will be accomplished. And we'll look back and say, wow, yeah, I really didn't see that. Of course you didn't. <laughs> we need to trust God. 
Intentional belonging, what does that mean? Here's my definition of intentional belonging. Intentional belonging first starts with the decision to commit your life to Christ, right? It has to start there. If you don't love the Lord, if you have not committed your life to Christ, then you're not, you don't belong. I'll just say it that way. All right? But it starts with a decision to commit your life to Christ and to Christ's church. Uh-huh. That's important. <laughs> not just to Christ. Because if you commit your life to Christ, you commit your life to his church. Right? Isn't that right? Some of you who do marriage counseling sometimes say that. You know, when you marry your wife or your husband, you know, that the family comes along with it. I mean, now, I guess you could move to Fiji and never talk to your mother-in-law, but, you know, but it doesn't, <laughs> she said, it doesn't work. No, you have, you're going to go to family functions. I mean, it's just, it, it's, you're, you're marrying the family. I mean, you're marrying your wife, you're marrying your husband, but that family comes along with it. Well, listen, when you marry Christ, you marry Christ's family. So you might not like some of them, but guess what? Hey, listen, Christ married you when you weren't very likable. Come on. Says he's married to the backslider. He likes you when you didn't like yourself, he liked you. When you look in the mirror and say, man, I messed up again, he still likes you. <laughs> Psalm says God has set his love upon you. He set it upon you. You can run, but you can't hide from God's love. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, you can turn your back on him. But listen, if you have any kind of heart at all, God loves you and set his love upon you. People whom God joins you with. People whom God joins you with. People whom God joins you with. So in other words, if you join the church because, listen, I, I got a great idea for a ministry, you know, the children's church or the youth or whatever, and I just want to be the youth leader, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to do all these wonderful, great things. Listen, it's not about the ministry. It's about people first. Ministry just supports that thing. The youth, the youth ministry is there so we can grow the youth, so that they can go on unto full stature. That's what it's there for. It's what the children's ministry is there for. Not for you to say, look, what a great children's minister I am. Right? I mean, I don't want us to have a church where, you know, as I look around, I, I'm still speaking. All these chairs are going to be full. But I don't want a church, and I, you shouldn't either. We don't want a church full of people just to say we have people. Come on. It, that's, we're not, again, we're not a social club. You know, we don't get brownie points for more membership. We really don't. When you go before Christ... And it's all over, and you're standing before him, and all your works are going to be judged, saints. I believe that he's going to look behind you and say, what fruit did you bear? He's not going to say how many people were at your church. He's going to say, what fruit did you bear? Did you do what I asked you to do? That may have been to disciple one person your whole life. May have been to disciple 20 people your whole life. Whatever he tells you to do, that's what we need to do. Psalm 68.6 says this, God sets the solitary into families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Come on, how many rebellious we got? No, don't lift your hand. <laughs> if you are, don't lift your hand. <laughs> Change. <laughs> Put your hand down, Mary. Put your hand down. You're not rebellious. <laughs> That's right. Change. Come on. Today's the day of change. You can change. Listen, it's better not being rebellious. I've been both. And you have too. Come on. 
right? We've been on both sides of it, rebellious and not rebellious. It's better not rebellious, <laughs> right? God sets people into chosen places to be set into a place and be settled, saints, to be settled into a place, right? We can't continue to hop here, hop there, church hop. Well, this person, I really like that, this, that guest minister over there, and I really like this over there, and I really like that over there. Come on, you got to be settled someplace. You have to be established for a God time. And yeah, a good time too, but a God time. And then you'll be seated in a place of honor and blessing. God will do that if you're connected to the family like he wants you to be. We must be connected. Listen, we must be connected in order to fulfill our purpose. And in order to be fulfilled, we must be connected. Let me ask you this. What happens to a leaf on a flower or a tree that you, that you take off the tree and you take it over here and you set it over there by itself? What happens to that leaf? Anybody? Right. It, die. it withers up and it dies, doesn't it? Let me ask you this question. What happens to a leaf that you take off a tree and you set it right next to the tree or that plant? You set it, you took, you've taken it off the tree, but you set it right next to it. And it gets all the same sunshine, it gets the same water, it gets all of that. What eventually happens to that leaf? It still withers and dies. Why? It's right next to the tree, same sunlight, same water, in, in close proximity. But what happens? It withers and dies because it's not connected. It's not connected. You could come to church every Sunday and not be connected. There are people that attend church that are withering and dying because they're not connected. And I'm not just blaming those folks, too. It's, it's both ways, right? They have to get connected, and we have to connect with them. Come on, we got to connect. We have to connect together. Intentional belonging begins with spiritual roots. First of all, decide to put your spiritual roots down. Decide to put them down. Psalm 1-3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not also wither because they're disconnected, but whatever he does, whatever he does, whatever he does, because he's connected, shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 92, 12 and 14 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, now listen to this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And they shall still bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They won't wither because they get old. Because they're still connected. As long as they're connected, they'll bear fruit and flourish. That gives hope to me. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be. Not as old as I'm going to be. <laughs> but praise God, I'm still flourishing. If I stay planted, what happens if you don't? Listen to Matthew 13, 6 and verse 21. 
Matthew chapter 13, verses 6 and verse 21 says, But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. You only last for a while if you're not connected. Only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles and falls. Immediately he stumbles and falls. That's what happens to you if you're not connected. Mark 4, verse 6 says, But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. They had no root in themselves, and they only endured for a while. See, we have to plant our spiritual roots, and it takes time to do that, doesn't it? We have to till the ground, put the seed down in there. It needs to get watered. We need to be discipled. We need to be mentored. Come on, that's the way God set it up. We have to be connected together. Why? Because healthy roots, healthy trees. That's it. Healthy roots, healthy trees. Bad roots, bad trees. Jeremiah 17, 18, for he shall be like a tree, he shall be like a tree planted by the water, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. Why? Because its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Did you hear that? I don't care what recession, depression, or financial troubles or economy our world finds itself in. I don't care how high gas prices get or a gallon of milk. Listen. If we have our roots planted like God calls for us to do, we will not fear because of the recession. We will not fear because of the economy. We will not fear when the heat comes. We won't be anxious in the year of drought. When there's a drought all around, people look at you and say, how are you making it? I don't understand it. I mean, gas prices are $7 a gallon. I don't understand how you get back and forth. Not speaking that, I'm just saying. Right? How are you doing that? Roots are a storehouse for essential food and reserves. They are. Roots anchor the tree above ground. Those things that you don't see, those roots that go deep. Roots absorb and transport water and mineral from the soil. See, if we're planted in God, connected to his spirit, those minerals will come in and then it will show in a healthy, flourishing church. And they anchor that tree above ground. Roots health is determined by the soil's health and environment. Have to have healthy soil. Roots that are healthy make for healthy trees as seen in full green foliage. Come on, you'll see it. We'll see it. Job 18, 16, his roots are dried out below and his branch withers above. That's what happens. If your roots are dried out below, the branches above wither. The branches above wither. Listen, if you're taking notes, take down these last few things here. Spiritual roots and placement. This is how we plant our roots. This is what we need to do to connect. Number one, respond to God's planting. We need to respond to it. 
Placement means I determine to respond to God's planting. I will allow time for my roots to bear fruit. Hear what I said there? I will allow time for my roots to bear fruit. If my ministry doesn't come to pass in the first two weeks that I'm at the church, it's okay. I'm not going to leave the church. I'm not going to feel like I'm being, you know, gleaned over or, or passed by or missed. But I'm going to go to Connect class. I'm going to go to First Principles. I'm going to the ladies class so I can hear Sister Dietrich and Sister Jody and Sister Mary, you know, disciple me. I'm going to the men's meeting. I'm going to stay connected. And your gift will make room for you. No one can stop it. No one can stop it from happening. Really, they can't. If you stay connected, only you. Come on, stay connected. Placement means I put down my spiritual roots by committing myself to the God-given place He has chosen for me. Now, this is important. You think you, think you just picked Life Church, didn't you? Well, that seems like a good church. You know, they got that man over there that used to be the police officer with the accent. He's funny. And I'm just going to go over there. I'm making my decision. Well, listen to Isaiah 61.3. Now, remember, Jesus quoted this. He came up in the synagogue and he grabbed the scroll and he opened it up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me. Why? Because the God has anointed to me to preach good tidings to the poor. You remember this? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, right? Oil of joy for mourning. And I used to love this song, the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment. Remember that? But listen to what he says. They may be called the trees of righteousness. They will be called this. The planting of the Lord. You and I are the planting of the Lord. He plants us where he wants us to be. And so if you're here today, I believe that you are the planting of the Lord. Job 29.19 says, My root is spread out to the waters and the dew lies all night on my branch. The planting of the Lord. Number two, respect God's placement. Respect his placement for you. Listen, I, I never, it, you know, it wasn't like I was in heaven before I was born and I was talking with God and he was saying, Listen, what family do you want to be born into? You know, there's the Rockefellers. You know, you could be born into this family, and I chose the Carters. <laughs> God chose that. And for you, too. You had no choice. You were born. You were given a name, weren't you? And that's your family. Like it or lump it. <laughs> Love it or leave it. That's the family that you were placed into. Same way with the church. This is the family that you are placed into and you are connected to. Placement means developing the conviction that God has placed me in a local church of his choosing for his pleasure, Brother Carter, and his purpose for my good. For his pleasure, his purpose for my good. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he 
pleased. Read it. It says, he set each one of the members in the body just as he pleased. You wonder why, well, I wonder why I play music. I would have rather taught. Well, guess what? God gave that gift to you because that's what he pleased. <laughs> you are committing yourself to a local church, expressing your desire to become a functioning part of that church. Be a functioning part of the church. Listen, you're important. I just want to tell you, you are important this morning. Every last one of you. You are important to how, not only to how Life Church goes, but to the church as a whole. But you're important to this local church, each and every one of you. You are. Listen, you are not a wart on the big toe of the body of Christ. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not a wart. All right. You are an important part of the body, and we are jointly fit together. You are important. Number three, resist leaving my place. Resist leaving my place. Resist leaving my place. Now, I've told this story about my cousin called me. She was saved two weeks, and she called me up and told me, you know, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to have you read Noah's Ark. And, you know, I said, oh, really? Wow, you've been saved two weeks. That's great, you know. Oh, yeah, that was, that was my attitude some years ago. And uh, Anyway, long story short, I read it, and it was the greatest revelation to that point in my life that I'd ever had, and God was telling me to stay on the boat, you know, don't jump out of the boat. I know it's rocking back and forth, and your tendency is to run. You know what I mean? You want to get out because it's, look what's happening. But God is saying, no matter what's going on around you, the best thing to do is stay on the boat. Stay on the boat. I've provided a safe uh, place for you. Resist leaving that place, my place, the place that God set me to. Psalm 89 says, you prepared room for it, caused it to take deep root and filled the land. Don't leave your place. And then raise my contribution level. Now, I know it automatically comes to your mind, but how many know you can contribute in a number of ways? Raise your level. I believe there are lots of people, and I'm not calling anyone out, I'm not calling any names, but I believe that there are lots of people that have gifts that are not using them, not being used, for whatever reason, you know. And I just want to encourage you this morning, come to the Connect class <laughs> and let's get those gifts being used because we sure can use you. God can use you. He really can. Placement means I decide to become more than an attender. The, this decision means you are moving from an observer to becoming a contributor, contributing your gifts, talent, time, and finances. You are choosing to participate in every way to strengthen the church that you are becoming a part of. It's like Brother Keith was talking about this morning. You know, and these brothers, and when we go over to the Philippines, when you gave this morning, and if you give next week all the way up till the time that we go, uh, you are going with us. See, you're contributing to the ministry that's going over there. You're contributing to them being built up and nourished in the kingdom. And guess what? Not only are you contributing so that your name will be on a plaque somewhere, that's not what you're doing, but listen, this is what's going to happen. God is going to bless you. There used to be another old song, you tell them, and, uh, used to be a musician, I guess, used to be now. Um, I think of all these songs, there used to be a song, I love this song, You Can't Beat God Given. 
You cannot beat God. Try it. What does it say? No matter how hard you try, you can't beat God giving. You just can't do it. Raise your contribution level. Number five, resolve to belong. Resolve it in your heart. Just say, go home, pray. Say, Lord, I am going to belong. I know I see this. I see that. I wish this was done differently. I wish children's church was that way. I wish youth was that way. Boy, this music was that way. Boy, I wish he'd preach a little bit like that. And I wish they did some more messages on this. And I wish the carpet was this color. Yes, I know. All those things, right. But listen, resolve in your heart to belong. Just resolve to belong. You can do it. Placement means that I resolve to belong to this community. Community is the glue that binds, holding believers together so that every joint can supply and every member ministers. Community involves unconditional love and acceptance, creating a climate of acceptance and openness. This is acceptance of people. I'm not talking about acceptance of sin or behaviors, but we need to accept each other so that sin and behaviors can be changed. But listen, God's got to do that. You, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. Just let God do it. We can admonish. We can uh, encourage, you know, correct, all of those type of things. Let God do the work. You're not, you can't force somebody to be right. <laughs> Community involves restoring the fallen. Come on. The Bible says that, listen, those of you that are more spiritual... And I don't want to add to the word, but I just throw in there, or think you're more spiritual. Come on, help those who are less spiritual. That's what it says. It doesn't say talk about them. It doesn't say kick them when they're down. It doesn't say shun them. Don't let them ever do anything in the church again. I don't want them to be part of anything. It says restore them. You're so spiritual. <laughs> restore them. Community involves wise confession and cleansing, removing offenses, seeking reconciliation to those who have been offended. Come on. And cleansing the relationship. That's what this thing is all about. That's what community is about. James 5.16 says this. Confess your trespasses one to another. And pray for one another that you might be healed. Why? Because the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. God pays attention when you, the righteous, pray. God listens. God hears. You move the very heart of God when someone prays. When you pray and when someone prays for you, you move his heart. And so, saints, we must do this together. We cannot do it alone. Come on, we have to be together. You have some ideas, bring your ideas up. And don't get offended should your idea not come to pass right away. All right? Don't say, well, I brought up an idea before and they didn't use it, so forget it. I'm just not bringing up any more ideas. No, just go back and pray. Say, Lord, well, did I miss you or did they miss you? <laughs> Either way, I'm going to keep going in you. Listen, because it's God's thing. It's not my thing. It's all about him. It's not about me. So we need to be connected, saints. Fitly joined together. How many are going to make a commitment this morning to be connected to this body? Come on. We cannot, listen, we can't increase. We can't increase in number. We cannot grow spiritually unless we are connected. It's the only way we can do it. Come on, amen.